0: Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the podcast from P-Town. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. Um, Our weather here is a little bit on the chilly side. It was nice this weekend and now we're in that fun season where it's spring one day and then winter the next and then maybe fall, maybe get a touch of summer and then back and then we just repeat the whole cycle again. But I guess that's the way things are these days. Uh, got my co-host slash guest with me again this week, and I got to thinking that maybe the reason she doesn't talk very much is because I don't give her any advance warning about what's uh what I'm going to be talking about. So this week I gave her a little heads up on Sunday. As a matter of fact, did y'all know that Orrin Hatch died? He was the oldest living senator and he was 88 years old when he died so we're talking on sunday and i asked her what the average age of u.s senators was and the average age is about 64 i think is what we came up with so i told her i said remember that and think about it so we can talk about it on the podcast on tuesday so what do you think i think i forgot and i don't think it was 64 it was about 64 i thought it was 70 something It it was 74. No, it was about 64. Because I did a little research myself, actually. (laughs) I caught her off guard again. You like that? I still am going with it was 74, and I don't think a whole lot about it because I don't think you should have a career politician. I think there should be term limits. Well, I think there should be term limits, but there should also be like, age limits, kind of like what we talked about with the Pope last week. Where all the archbishops and cardinals and all that type of stuff have to quit after a certain age. Correct. Because if you think about it, I mean, think of all the people that you know that are like 80 years old. Their mental capacity may not be as sharp as it was when they were, say, in their 50s or 60s. And so um, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because I know people that are around those age limits. But they're also not senators either or um, politicians politicians either. But on that, on the other side, they can sure teach our children about sex ed when they're in kindergarten. Yes. And tell them that they can identify what sex they identify as uh, when they're in kindergarten. Yet on the other end of the spectrum, they let people who are old enough to not be able to tell what sex they are to be still be politicians making rules for our country. Yes. Yeah, interesting, huh? Um in other news, Elon Musk finally secured his uh bid for Twitter, which I think is amazing. I hope that he opens it up to free speech like he um had talked about doing. I may even end up getting a Twitter account if uh kind of helps the podcast grow and whatnot. And So uh, I was doing some math on this. So a a million dollars in $100 bills weighs 24.4 pounds, okay? Mm -hmm. And my math was wrong that I told you the other day. And so $44 billion in $100 bills weighs around 877,000 pounds, I don't think people, people grasp the magnitude of how much a billion actually is. So if you take a million seconds and ca- uh, count that out, it for one, uh, one million seconds comes out to 11 days, 13 hours, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds. If you take 44 billion seconds, it comes out to 1,394.8 years. That's the magnitude of um, how big that number actually is. If you want to see an interesting thing on uh, magnitudes of numbers, go out and search on YouTube for, um, I think it's called like 52 fractal or something like that, or 52, 52, oh, 52 factorial. That's what it is. Uh, Go look at that. It talks about every time that you deal a deck of cards, or deal cards anyhow, there's a very good possibility that deck of cards is arranged in a way that no other deck of cards has ever been arranged in the history of mankind. And the guy does a pretty good job of uh, showing it. Like, you take one sheet of paper and st- uh, each time you shuffle you take one sheet of paper and stack it down. Next time, you take another sheet of paper, and next time, do that, and you end up with a stack of papers that would reach from the Earth to the Sun, and you have to do that a whole bunch of times to equal out what 52 factorial would end up being. I kind of enjoy math stuff. So anyhow, um, our news correspondent uh, kind of failed us this week, so we don't really have a whole lot of other news uh thank you news correspondent yeah oh the nfl draft starts tonight so um that's pretty cool the eagles i think have the 15th and 18th pick i think it is and they're trying to possibly work a trade for the 10th pick so hopefully they can come out with some players and have a better year than we did last year um there was talks that possibly that they were looking at another quarterback But I don't think so. I think they've got their mindset on who they're going to have the uh, quarterback for. And um, haven't heard anything more about Tom Brady if he's going to the Miami Dolphins. That's kind of a shady deal there, too, because before he left Tampa Bay or something like that, he'd he'd already kind of been in talks with Miami, I guess, about becoming a partial owner of the team or something to that effect. And now the poor guy who caught Tom Brady's last uh, touchdown, touchdown ball. ball. That ball's lost its value pretty quick. Kind of like when a guy becomes Pope, those balls lose their value pretty quick too. So, this week we are talking about Malcolm X. Um, this is kind of a interesting, interesting one. So... He was born Malcolm Little, and he actually later became named, uh, well, didn't become, he named himself Malik El Shabazz. He was born on May 19th, 1925 in Omaha, Nebraska, and he was the fourth of seven children. His mom was a gal by the name of Louise Helen Little, and she was actually from Grenada. And his dad was Earl Little, and he was born in Georgia. His father was a Baptist lay speaker, um, which that means that they're not part of the clergy. I think it kind of means they can get up and speak at church functions, but um, they don't get paid for it or something. Um, his dad was president of the local Universal Negro Improvement Association. His mom was a sec- secretary and branch reporter, and she would send news of their... uh what they had, the UNIA activities, um, which was a newspaper that was ran by a group called the Negro World. Um, She would send all their meeting notes and stuff like that to this newspaper, was part of her job. Uh, His parents also taught their children self-reliance and black pride from a young age. Now, uh, this kind of leads into the same BS that we've gone to over and over again on this thing, is the KKK starting spread r- spreading rumors that the UNIA was causing trouble in the area. So Earl ended up packing up his family and they moved to Milwaukee in uh, 1926. Then shortly after that, they end up moving to Lansing, Michigan. And here they started getting harassed by another group called the Black Legion, Earl had accused them of burning down their family home in 1929, and so they started um, harassing them. And I kind of want to make it known here that if you look up either of these groups, the KKK or the Black Legion on the internet, they're labeled as terrorist organizations, uh, which is the same label that's given to ISIS and Al-Qaeda and all those other groups that us Americans like to stand on our high horse and talk about how terrible they are. These groups are right here in the U.S. and they're labeled as terrorist organizations. So suck on that for a while. So when his dad was only six years old, uh, or when he was only six years old, his dad died. Uh, the cause of his death was said to be a streetcar accident, but his mother firmly believed that the he was murdered by the Black Legion. And this was pretty disturbing to him as a child. His Mom finally got, uh, from one insurance company, she got a settlement for a $1,000, which is around $17,000 in today's money, but it was paid out at $18 per month, and his dad had a larger insurance account, uh, but this company refused to pay because they said his death was suicide, so without getting that money, uh, his mom fought him for a while, but, um, Big money always wins. So his mom ended up having to rent out part of their garden, and the boys would have to end up hunting wild game and whatnot to make ends meet. And then in 1937, his mom met a guy who uh, she thought she would end up marrying, but he found out that she was pregnant with his child, and he disappeared. And this caused her to have a psychotic break, and she got sent to a mental hospital where she would end up spending the next 24 years. And the children, they ended up getting sent out through the foster system where they would spend the rest of their growing up years in and out of the foster system. So Malcolm, he'd started out in Lansing, but he ended up in Mason, Michigan. And here he was attending Mason High School, but he left before graduating in 1941. Uh, he'd expressed interest in studying law, but a white teacher told him that there was it was no realistic goal for an inward, and um the actual quote says the word but i don't want to repeat it because i find the word repulsive um and i'm not sure exactly how i feel about this moment uh, about this thing one side of me it kind of thinks that he should have stuck stuck it out and shown that teacher that anyone is capable of anything they set their mind to but i can also see his side uh you know i don't know what life was like for him back then but i could see this is Kind of just being another blow to him, and he could kind of just throw his hands up and walk away. And he even stated later that the white world offered no place for a career-oriented black person, regardless of talent. And this kind of seems to start the fuel that was of the fire that was burning inside of him. Um, and like I, I mean, I know it was a different time back then. But and in, in a lot of places, racism still exists today. But I do think that our society has grown leaps and bounds in that area from where it was. But anyhow, from 14 to 21, he had a variety of odd job jobs. He was living with his half sister in a largely African American part of Boston. But um, looking through a different, um, a couple different places that I researched, this the timelines don't really seem to add up. Uh, exactly. But anyhow, he, he did spend some time in uh, Flint, Michigan, which this is a town I think we could do a whole episode on in itself. They had some different financial issues and water issues in that town, um, not too far back in recent history. It sounds like they've had some pretty interesting things uh, happen there. But anyhow, he ended up uh, going from there to Harlem in 1943, and this is where things... Took kind of a bad turn for him, or he caused them to take a bad turn. He got a job for the railroad there, but he also got involved in drugs, racketeering, gambling, and pimping. It has also been stated in recent biographies that at this time he was having relations with other men, oh. usually for money. Oh. Yeah. And this has been widely disputed, but it was mentioned, so I figured I would end up putting it out there. It was also at this time that he met a guy by the name of John Elroy Sanford who uh, would later become known as... Sanford and Son? No. I don't know. Red Fox. Oh, Red Fox. You heard of Red Fox? No. He was a comedian. Oh. We got to get you out more. Okay. Now, this is going to get kind of controversial. I know a lot of people... Try to um, Kind of put him on a pedestal maybe But he was summoned For the draft board And he went before them He feigned mental disturbance um, And he actually said I want to be sent down south Organize them Inward soldiers Steal us some guns and kill us some crackers So he was disqualified From military service And um, As I was typing this out I was thinking about this. Uh, Both of those words are pretty derogatory. Um, And it's been, people say that the black people, they can just throw the N-word out there, um, but white people get admonished for saying it. I mean, I agree. I I don't like the word and I don't think it should be used. But why is it okay for one group to say it, but not the other group? And then on the flip side of that coin, the black people are allowed to say cracker and not get admonished for it. They, it seems acceptable for them to use that word. I mean, maybe one word seems worse than the other one. I mean, you look at that with all different groups. We, they changed the name of the uh, Redskins because they said that they thought that was offensive, um, even though they consulted a Native American when they first created the team to th- see if he thought the name was offensive. And he said, no, we liked them using the name. Anyhow, that's off my still box. So now that he didn't have to go into the military, he returned to Boston in 1945, and him and four other guys committed a string of robber- robberies, and they were target- targeting wealthy white families. Um, I don't know how this is going to do any him any good for his societal standing, and it may have just been the frame of mind that he was in. Uh, against, you know, he'd possibly possibly been beaten down by old whitey long enough and so he was kind of fighting back against him but anyhow in 1946 he was picking up a stolen watch that he had at a shop for repairs and evidently the shop uh, they found out it was stolen he was arrested and convicted and began serving a sentence of uh, eight to ten years for larceny and breaking and entering and while he was in prison his siblings started sending him letters about the nation of islam and now he was the guy in prison that he had so much hostility towards religion that in prison he was nicknamed Satan. And yeah, it's not a real good nickname to pack around with you. But his brother wrote him once and told him that uh, to don't eat no more pork or smoke cigarettes and I will show you how to get out of prison. Which that's a way to uh, get somebody to accept religion is to bribe him into it. But one time when his brother came and visited him, he told him about the religion and how white people are devils. And this caused Malcolm to think back on his life and notice all of his interactions with whites were tainted by dishonesty, greed, and hatred. And this got him to thinking that maybe this whole Nation of Islam thing wasn't so bad. Uh, One thing about this Nation of Islam, one of the main things that they seem to um, talk about is African Diaspora, which is a term that they used to describe the collective communities of african-americans or descendants of native africans with special infants emphasis on the americas and they taught about bringing the diaspora back together in africa where they would be free from domination by the americans and europeans and if that's what they truly believed and if that's what they really wanted why didn't they just go back on their own um you know, kind of like the how the Jews went back to Israel in 1947 or whatever. They were, uh, ended up all just, or a bunch of them ended up going back there. But anyhow, um, he basically decided to talk to the, uh, once he got out on parole, he, in, or actually before he got out on parole, he d- f- figured he was going to go to the bigwig of the association and he ended up sending a letter to Elijah Muhammad, who was the leader of the nation of Islam um muhammad gave him some pretty good advice he told him to renounce his past uh, or renounce his past and bow to god and partake or do not partake in destructive behaviors anymore um and he said that he struggled bending his knees to pray but he soon became a member of the nation of islam and he maintained a correspondence with muhammad for quite a few years um it didn't take long though before he started uh not really making trouble but he got eyes on him in 1950 he ended up writing a letter to president truman denouncing the korean war and labeling himself as a communist which if you remember all the talks i've done about communism this caught the eye of the fbi um and maybe that's how you do make it in the world is go big or go home he went straight to the head of the nation of islam and started talking to him And then to denounce the Korean War, he didn't stand on the street corner or something. He went right to the president. This is also about the time he started calling himself Malcolm X. Um, Muhammad said that they would um, take X as their surname, and he would reveal their true Muslim original name to him when uh, the time uh, was right, I guess. And I think that when a guy a guy wields this much power over his followers, it kind of sounds like a cult, um, but on the other hand, I kind of agree with Malcolm, he, he had said that the X symbolized the true African name that he would never know, um, Little was a family name that they were giving, given, and it's probably given to him by the last name of a slave owner that his grandparents or great-grandparents had, uh, been slaves for, um, So it kind of actually makes sense a little bit that he'd want to get rid of that last name. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, by August of 1952, he was out on parole. He immediately went to Chicago to meet Muhammad in person. And by June of the next year, he was made assistant minister of the nation's temple number one in Detroit. And immediately after that, he began uh, planning these temples all over the place. Uh, Later that year, he opened Boston's temple number 11. In spring of the next year, he got Temple 12 going in Philadelphia. And then by May, he was leading Temple 7 in Harlem. And through all these, he immediately started uh, growing the membership of this Nation of Islam thing. And I think I may have misspoke earlier. Um, In 1950, after his letter to Truman, the FBI, they just opened a file on him. They weren't uh, actually surveilling him or watching him. But in 1953, though, the FBI did start doing surveillance on him, and they were thinking that he had communist ties that helped him move up the ladder in the Nation of Islam so quickly. Mm -hmm. So now they were actually really watching him. But he ended up uh, keeping on going, and in 1955, he opened up three more temples, and he had hundreds of African Americans joining every month. Um, Also in 1955, he ended up meeting his wife, uh, Betty Sanders, who is no relation to Colonel Sanders mm. um, She attended one of his lectures And started regularly attending them Then in 1956 she, be, she got converted to the Nation of Islam And she became known as Betty X No relation to Betty White uh, They started dating But one-on-one dating was against the rules So they would go together to social events uh, This carried on for a while And he proposed to her over a telephone call In 1958 uh, then they got married two days later, and they end up having six daughters together. What would you think if I tried to proposing to you over a telephone call? Yeah, you'd probably get hung up on. Would you have said yes? Probably not. Oh, okay. In 1957, Malcolm started becoming, uh, I guess you could say, uh, he started becoming known by the public. In New York, there were some cops that were uh, beating a Nation of Islam man, and some passers-by uh one of the guys is named hinton johnson um they were also nation of Islam guys they tried to intervene saying that they weren't in alabama they were in new york and the cops couldn't get away with doing this the cops ended up turning on johnson and started beating him and they beat him so bad that he had brain contusions and subdural hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging and then they all got arrested a witness ended up letting malcolm know about this so him and a group of guys went to see johnson at the jail. And at first, the police said there was uh, there were no nation of Islam people being held there, but once the crowd of people uh, at the jail grew to about five hundred people there, uh, what do you know, a nation of Islam person magically appeared in the jail. Uh, Malcolm demanded that they were allowed to take Johnson to the hospital in Harlem, and they took him there. And by the time that they, they took him to the hospital, got him treated, and by the time they arrived back, there were about four thousand people at the cop shop. And once uh, inside, they had some lawyers show up who got a couple of the guys, uh, ended up getting them bailed out. But Johnson wasn't able to leave until his arraignment the next day. And Malcolm, he started realizing that the cops weren't giving up. So he went outside and he gave a hand gesture. I'm not sure what the hand gesture was that he gave. But all the Nation of Islam people left and eventually the rest of the crowd ended up leaving as well. So now the New York Police Department had him on surveillance, as well as other cities in which he'd lived, and then they had defect- detectives infiltrate the Nation of Islam to kind of try to figure out what was the goings on in here. But by the late nineteen fifties, uh, Malcolm had evidently gotten his last name of uh, or last name from Muhammad, because most people they still revert to him as Malcolm X. Um, This is where he changed his name to Malik El Shabazz. And when the United Nations General Assembly met in New York in 1960, he was able to meet with a bunch of prominent African leaders. Uh, He also met with Castro, and Castro invited him personally to Cuba. Hmm. But while he was in the nation of Islam, he was almost going against what the civil rights movement was all about. Um, He called Martin Luther King a chump, and he was actually denounced by the NAACP. He was also advocating for total separation of African-American people from everyone else. And he did say that they should all return to Africa and a separate nation for blacks should be established in America in the interim. Um, so, I don't know why he didn't, didn't leave. But even with all this going on, though, he did become uh, named as the second most influential leader in the nation of Islam, right behind that uh, Muhammad guy. Um, and he was actually uh, the one who got Cassius Clay to change his name, and they actually became pretty good friends for a while. Yes, I know who Cassius Clay is. Remember, I grilled you about this before. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there was trouble brewing on the horizon with him. He was getting mad at the nation for their lack of response to the violence against blacks that was coming from the hands of the LAPD. Uh, rumors had also started circling that Muhammad the elijah muhammad the big guy he was having extramarital extramarital affairs with some of the nation of islam secretaries and so by 1964 uh, malcolm had separated from the nation and said he was going to make his own black nationalist organization so he ended up starting a muslim mosque inc which was a religious organization and so that he wasn't leaving anybody out for the secular folks He started up the Organization of Afro-American Unity. So he was kind of hitting both sides of the coin with these guys. Um, He also actually did meet Martin Luther King for the first and only time. And it was actually a very brief uh, meeting between the two. They basically stayed together long enough to get their pictures taken. Uh, They ended up meeting because they were both called uh, to attend the Senate's debate on the Civil Rights Bill. But everybody had kind of known by this point that there wasn't really any love lost between the two of them. Uh, then in April of 64, he gave one of his most famous speeches. It was called his ballot or bullet speech. Uh, here he was saying that African-Americans needed to get out and vote. And, uh, but if they weren't given full equality, it may be necessary to take up arms. Oh. So I think at the end of this civil rights thing that they were at with the Senate, Um, is when the black people were finally given the right to vote, but they were still left out of a lot of other liberties um, that they should have been given. And so he was saying that it they maybe uh, need to take up arms against whoever. Um, But it was kind of dumb if you think about it because he'd never get enough people to follow him. Um, And it kind of seems like it would just end up making matters worse for them all. But uh, now he'd reached enough popularity that he was starting to go on his uh, world tour. He got to visit a bunch of several or uh, bunch of African countries, um, and he ended up getting to make his first trip to Mecca, which is a big thing for all the Islamic people. Uh, he gave speeches all over Africa and Europe, and when he would return to the U.S., he'd end up giving speeches here. But it kind of seems like everywhere he went, he kept up this militant attitude. Um, about taking up arms and doing all this type of stuff because one time uh he tried to travel back to france but he was denied entry they didn't want him coming back there um and he was also not in good standing with the nation of islam folks by this time um evidently they don't like it when a sheep leaves the flock he ended up starting to get death threats from him one night his wife received a phone call that her husband was as good as dead uh, the F.B.A. surveillance that was watching him, they also picked up a tip that he was going to be bumped off. And the nation wanted him to uh, give back the house that they had gotten for him. Um, evidently, when he was one of the leader leader guys, they had bought a house for him, but now they ended up wanting it back. Um, and they were going through the process of, evic- of evicting them. Um, but the night before their eviction, the house was destroyed by a fire. And they think that it was probably the uh, Nation of Islam guys that did it. Did they get out? Yeah, they ended up getting out. But then on February 19th of 1965, he told a reporter that the Nation of Islam was actively trying to kill him. And he was right. Because two days later, on February 21st, he was giving a speech, and a man in the back yelled a racial slur. It involved the N-word again. And Malcolm... And his bodyguards they're trying to quell the disturbance and whatnot. And when they're doing this, a guy rushed the stage and shot him in the chest with a sawed off shotgun. Oh. And then two other men charged the stage and started firing semi automatic uh, guns at him. Oops. And he was pronounced dead at three thirty that afternoon. His autopsy found twenty one gunshot wounds and ten buckshot wounds. Damn. Uh The assassins they end up finding out were some guys from the Newark, New Jersey mosque of the Nation of Islam And all three of the gunmen were captured and sentenced to life in prison But one of them ended up getting paroled in 1998 Uh, Another one got paroled in 1987 And the other one got paroled in 2010 So just so you know they're out there among us Unless they're dead I'm not sure I didn't check that far into it. Um, His funeral drew a crowd between 14,000 and 30,000 people, and he was buried at Ferncliff Cemetery in Hartsdale, New York. And that was a long one because that's pretty much all I have on Malcolm X. Like I say, I kind of liked Martin Luther King's approach to the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. more than I did Uh, Malcolm X's. I don't know that he did a whole lot to help. The Civil Rights Movement. Um, So, yeah. What did you think of that one? I think he's a bad dude. Do you think uh, maybe this time when I drop some hints to you about (laughs) what I'm going to be talking about the next week, you might study a little bit more? You have to be real subtle with me. I was subtle last time, and you didn't study a bit. Well, I'm busy. Doing what? Anywho. That couch ain't going to hold itself on the floor, is it? Oh, that's funny. Funny guy. Okay. So, if I'm still alive next week, we will see you guys then. And uh, like I said, you guys, honestly, I will not get mad if you email me or send me a message or DM me on Instagram. Uh, Go ahead and send those over. I may even let my uh, wife read them if uh, they include something about her in it, how much you guys enjoy having her on the show. It's, um, I've heard from, well, one person talks to me about the show, and he said that he's been enjoying it since she's been on, and uh, yeah, so it's the uh, podcast from P-Town Facebook page, it's P-Town Podcast on Instagram, or it's P Town Podcast 74 uh, gmailcom and uh, go out there, send us a message, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, and we will talk to you later. I forgot again. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, there you go.